In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Several weeks ago, we began a sermon series on discipleship. Our gospel text for that day was Jesus calling his first disciples. And we said that the concept of calling was one that was well known by Christians, but oftentimes was slightly misunderstood. Often when Christians speak of calling, they define it in terms of their vocation that God has given them. But when we looked at the gospel text, we saw that when Jesus called his first disciples, he didn't give them positions or jobs. When Jesus called his first disciples, he called them to himself. He called them by saying, follow me. The calling of every single Christian, the calling of every single person is to follow Christ. Your job or your passion is a means by which you draw closer to Christ. But the true ends of your calling is to draw close to God himself. And that call that Jesus gave his very first disciples to lay down their nets and follow him is the same call he gives his disciples still. A disciple of Jesus is a person who has heard the call of Jesus and responds by following him, period. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how insufficient you may seem to others or even to yourself. If you are pursuing the Lord Jesus with your whole heart, then you have answered his call and you are one of his disciples. And as Father Chris pointed out last week, for as beautiful of a picture as that surely is, Man, being in the community that Jesus has formed is crazy messy. We're all flawed. We're all imperfect. We all have baggage and silly hangups. We all have emotional damage and blind spots in our personalities. We all bear the deep wounds and scars that are caused by loss and betrayal. Yet the Christian still contends that Jesus calls people like that, people like us, into a community so that we can shine the light of Christ into the world. Christians contend that God can take the lowest of the low, the most morally compromised among us, the most wretched and twisted creature that you've ever seen, and God can fill that person with new life. God can redeem any person from any evil. And by His grace and love, He can enable that person to bear His very life into the world. And for as messy as that community may be, Jesus calls it his very own. Jesus Christ himself says that that person with the sordid past can sit beside you in church and call you a brother or sister. That person that's covered in tattoos or whoever it is that makes you feel very uncomfortable has every invitation to stand in the fellowship line. The person who doesn't fit whatever picture you have of what a decent Christian should look like is invited by the Lord himself to kneel beside you at this altar. And that picture of the church as a motley crew of unlikely brethren has always struck the world as strange. But here's what the world fails to see. The church, the community that Christ has formed, is not united upon the basis of cultural similarities or even our own sensitivities. We are not united upon the basis of political sentiments or their outcomes. The community that Christ has formed by His call is united upon the basis of one thing. We are united by the life of the Lord Jesus Christ being present in our hearts. That is what binds us together. 
And guys, now more than ever, we must get that straight. We have to remember what is truly binding us to one another. And here's why. Christ has called us and formed us into a community, not because he wants us to have something nice to do on Sunday mornings. No, Christ has a job for us. Christ has given his church work to do. And this work cannot be done if we are fractured and divided. It's work that will not succeed if we fail to love one another. It's work that will not succeed if we fail to love even our enemies. Because the work that Christ has given us to do is for his community to walk into this world arm in arm, deeply dependent upon one another. To proclaim the love of God, the mercy of God, the coming judgment of God to a world that will hate us for saying it. Christ has called his church to go into the world and cast out evil and in its place proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand. That is the business of the church. And look, I get it. That sounds kind of nuts. Am I saying that you need to go to the street corner and while standing on a five-gallon bucket proclaim that the coming of God's kingdom is at hand? Am I saying that God may use you to literally cast out possessed people? Am I saying that God will lead you down a path that costs you your very life? Well, don't worry. You know the answer to that. Maybe. (laughs) God has called many before you to do exactly those things. Jesus himself said that following him into a world that hated him meant that the world would hate you as well. So yeah, maybe following Jesus will cost you everything. And it's that idea, the idea that you may participate in major sacrifice for the sake of the gospel that causes me a problem this morning. But not for the reason you might think. You see, the church is charged by Christ to cast out and confront evil wherever it may be found, right? That's what Jesus said. Every single Christian is charged to carry that out. And if you're casting out demons or dying a martyr's death, then it's pretty obvious to you and to everyone else that you were serious about carrying out that charge of Jesus. If you're doing things like that, it's obvious that you're confronting evil and fulfilling the charge that Jesus gave you, right? It's obvious. But chances are, most of us will not fulfill the charge of Jesus by the obvious means of exorcism and martyrdom. Most of us will not have the depth of our faithfulness revealed by suffering the price of loss like that. So this morning, my problem is this. How can Christians who haven't fulfilled the charge of Jesus by obvious means carry out the charge of Jesus by means more subtle? How can Christians who live quiet lives of faith and piety, lives that may lack obvious proofs of confronting evil, still know that they're carrying out the charge given to every Christian? And I guess this is where I should give you three easy steps for making sure that you're doing what Christ has charged. Not only do I not have anything like that, even if I did, I wouldn't tell you. Giving you three simple steps to follow would narrow your vision so much to your own detriment. So what I want to do this morning is the opposite. I want to try to broaden our view on what it might look like to confront evil in subtle ways. And I want to do it with the story that I read. 
Many years ago, off the coast of England, a tourist boat found itself in terrible trouble. Some minor oversight by the crew had allowed water to begin to seep into the boat, and by the time the oversight was discovered, any remedy that could be employed was of no use. The boat was sinking and no one could stop it. What was once a happy and relaxed atmosphere was turned into a scene from your nightmares. Water was pouring in, people were panicking and screaming, and no one knew what to do. No one knew where to go, and everyone feared that in mere moments, they would find themselves in the icy waters of the Atlantic Ocean. Just as things seemed to go from bad to worse, the voice of one man pierced the air. In a clear and steady tone, this man took control. He gave orders, instructing people what to do and where to go. And as the people listened to this man, the panic that they had felt slowly turned into purpose. The lifeboats that had laid empty among the darkness and panic of everything that was happening were now being filled up by people that listened to this man. At some point, this man learned that there were people trapped below deck, and so he led a small team below in order to rescue them. Survivors stated that when this man reached those trapped below, he helped form what they described as a human bridge. And by doing so, he rescued many that would have surely drowned. When the nightmare was over, the survivors, many of whom owed their lives to this man, discovered that in the course of his action, this man, this brave man, had himself drowned. He had literally given his life so that others might live. He had literally given his life by using the authority he assumed, an authority by which many that day had been saved. And what's so amazing is that this guy wasn't a crewman or a sailor. As far as he know, he didn't serve in the military and he wasn't trained for disaster response. From all accounts, he was just a normal guy, just one of the passengers. So how in the world did this man go from a normal, everyday guy to the very definition of a hero? How was it that when a moment of great need arose, when calamity and confusion possessed everyone around him, this man, this normal man, sliced through the chaos with clarity and authority and saved many? I think instinctively, you know the answer to that question. A man who acted in such a selfless and heroic manner must have had a lot of practice. This was a man who would practice all of his life at being a hero. But I'm willing to bet my bottom dollar that the vast majority of that practice was done in the mundane subtleties of his life. You see, this wasn't the first time this man had sacrificed in order to provide for those around him. This wasn't the first time this man was willing to give of himself so that the lives of others would benefit. No, this man led a quiet and subtle life, a life devoted to the art of heroism, an art that was practiced in the minuscule actions of a life that I'm sure appeared normal and unexceptional from the outside. And it's that idea that I want us to take away this morning. It's true, perhaps most Christians will never encounter sensational things like exorcism or martyrdom. Perhaps we'll never encounter our version of a sinking ship. 
But just like that brave man on the ship, we are training for calamity even in the midst of monotony. Every single Christian, even in the mundane normalities of your day, you are being fashioned and shaped into the form of a hero. A hero that is capable in a moment of great panic and fear to slice through the evil of this world and do exactly what Christ has commanded you to do. Do you think your daily prayers are just subtle piety? You think engaging with the Word of God is just a normal part of your day? You think what we're doing this morning is just another ho-hum Sunday activity? Well, my friends, if you think that, you could not be more wrong. Those subtle, normal, unexceptional actions are really the daily actions of a man or woman who is being fashioned and shaped into the kind of person willing and capable of pushing back the evil of this world. Your life today may be quiet and normal, a life that is relatively free from the sensational. And as decades go by, maybe we never encounter the extremes that this world could force upon us. But in the midst of those decades of relative quiet and calm, Christ wishes to form in you, in your daily life, his very image. An image that is the exact opposite of commonplace. Christ wishes to form you into a light bearer. You will be molded into one that bears the very life of God into the world. And you may practice for years and years, engaging in the subtleties of a life devoted to Jesus. Not much going on. And then one day, you'll find yourself in the midst of calamity. You'll find yourself in the midst of a crisis. No one will know what to do. Everyone will be possessed by the catastrophe, and their actions will be governed by fear. But then a voice... A voice that is quietly trained with the Lord Jesus for a moment such as this will cut through the air with clarity and authority. And in that moment, you'll realize that the Lord has been preparing you in a thousand tiny ways for this exact moment. You see, the charge that Jesus has given us is to push back on the evil of this world. And perhaps you will do that by encountering the sensational. Perhaps we will encounter great and terrible things indeed. But whether we die as martyrs or not, whether we have a heroic death or a quiet one, the whole point is that you walk with Jesus day by day, moment by moment. And by doing that, by simply walking with him, Christ will uproot the evil in your heart. Christ will push back on the evil found in you. And then, then he'll look at you and say, now you go into the world and be by my spirit and with my authority. You do the exact same thing.